0: G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on this Friday, second day of the new financial year, 2nd of July 2021. Trust wherever you are in the world, you've had a phenomenal week. Looking forward to uh, the weekend, taking advantage of some rest, relaxation, re-energization and getting ready to relaunch Into a brand new week. And a quick reminder before we jump into today's episode if you haven't yet subscribed to the program, please press subscribe on the podcast platform that you are currently listening to. That will enable me to let you know when new episodes are up and running, ready to be listened to, digested, and hopefully implemented from that. But also, if you can do me a massive favor and rate the show as well on that podcast platform, that would be also. Awesome, because we'll enable other people who are just like you looking for information, strategies, tips, and all things sales and sales leadership to more easily find the show amongst the sea of podcasts out there. Not that there's a huge number of sales leadership podcasts, but um, there are some nonetheless. And uh, hopefully, you're listening to one of the better ones. Uh, actually, 296 episodes down. This is episode number 296, Very, getting very, very close to the magical number of 300. So that'll come up next week. So uh, I'll think about Maybe a special recording for episode 300. Have to uh, have to think about a topic. Uh, and hey, if, as, as I think about that, if there's a topic that you'd like me to talk about, please uh, drop me a note at darren at darrenmitchell.com.au or uh, link, link in with me on LinkedIn. Send me a message if there's a specific topic you'd like to hear about. More than happy to talk about that. And certainly happy to give you a shout out on the podcast as well. So with that, let's get into today's episode. As we begin the brand new financial year, given that we're two days in, uh, now is the time when targets are being set. Or if you're in like most organizations, certainly the organizations that I've been a part of in my career, targets haven't even yet been thought of when it comes to the new financial year. Because many times I have, I've, I've received targets Unfortunately, at the end of the first quarter, or sometimes in the second quarter of the financial year. But let's just assume that your targets have been set. And the expectation now is that you and your sales team are to get off to a flying start. Let's make advantage, take advantage of the first quarter. Let's get off to a fast start so that we can, don't have to ramp up exponentially towards the end of the financial year and then place huge amounts of pressure on ourselves and also our customers to get our number. Let's get out of the gates really, really quickly. Now, every team... Uh, every team, <laughs> I can say that for with without any fear of trepidation, every team wants a fast start. Every team wants to build momentum and plant those seeds and harvest those seeds towards the back end of Q1 and also into Q2, and sometimes depending on their sales cycles, maybe even Q3. So if we don't start now, then we're going to be behind the eight ball from day one. Now, in order for this to happen, we must know what we're shooting for, irrespective of whether your target has been set or not, what is your goal? So this episode today is all about getting ahead of the game and knowing thy numbers. This, If there's one thing that uh, sales leaders, and it's gross generalization, I know, but most sales leaders that I work with, I would say have a reasonable handle on the numbers that they're shooting for and some of the key metrics, but there are a lot of sales leaders that really have no idea and they're at the mercy of their senior leaders and the board in some cases in terms of what those metrics are going to be. And a lot of them, unfortunately, wait until those final, final numbers are given to them before they start doing the planning. Now, it sounds counterintuitive and it doesn't sound common sense based, but you would be amazed at the number of sales organizations who have sales leaders who don't do their planning until they have the number. And why? Because their approach is, well, once I know my number, then I know what I'm shooting for, then I can plan. Now, (laughs) I've got, I won't tell you which company, but there was a, a company that I did work for where there were often years where the sales targets would not have been finalized until partway through, and in some cases, the back half of Q2. Now, if you're trying to talk about building a high-performance sales culture, that is not the way to do it. And what would happen is the team would be given a a 100% guarantee for the first quarter, first quarter and a half, where they would be paid commissions as if they were achieving 100% of their on-target earnings and therefore achieving 100% of their target. Now, what would then happen is when the actual targets would hit, they would retrospectively start to measure performance against now actual year to date. And for many people, it meant that they had to pay back uh, commissions. (laughs) So there was what's called clawbacks. Now, one of the greatest ways to uh, demonize cultures and to diminish cultures and to set people back is to set clawbacks. So from an organizational point of view, it is absolutely fundamental to get your sales numbers in, your targets in as early as possible, and never, ever leave it to the second quarter. That is just disgraceful. And I've had that conversation, and hence my comments. I'm not going to be mentioning the companies that uh, potentially did that, but it's not conducive to a high-performance culture. Now, put that aside for a second. If we are to be an exceptional sales leader, and if we are to be overseeing an exceptional sales team where they are going to be delivering those sustainable results and those exceptional results then we need to know our numbers. Now, if you haven't been given your targets yet, that's fine. You know what you've achieved last year and you should be thinking about, okay, what is a stretch target for us and for me as a sales leader for this financial year that I'm going to set as a benchmark? And when you set that, I want you to add a percentage on top of that. Now, whether it be 10%, 20%, whatever the, I guess the starting base is, add a percentage on top of that so it gives you a stretch target. We must know this. Irrespective of whether you've got the real target or not, set that goal. It needs to be, as we talked about last week when we were talking about goal setting, it needs to be scary on the one hand where you're thinking, oh my God, how are we going to do that? I'm not sure whether we can, but also on the other hand, it needs to have an element of excitement to think, well, what if, just what if, what is it going to feel like if we actually achieve that? Now, the th- key thing is if you got close to it and your actual target that the company is going to give you is less than what you're shooting for, then guess what? You're already over target and happy days. If not, then you've got a bit bit more work to do, but make sure those targets that you're setting for yourself are scary and exciting, but very specific. Now, once you've got that, we need to start breaking this down into bite-sized chunks and manageable chunks, and this sounds really basic, but you'd be amazed at how many sales leaders out there simply don't do the basics well, and this is where the rubber hits the road, and this is what separates the exceptional sales leaders from everybody else. The exceptional sales leaders do the basics very, very well, and they know what the key numbers are going to be so that any time they're asked, they know what those numbers are as if it's just off the top of their head because they're so in tune with what those numbers are. Because as they say in the classics, what you cannot measure is what you cannot manage. So we've got to be really specific about that and we must measure our performance against it. So even if you don't have your targets yet, create one for yourself and make it a stretch one and then set those benchmarks. Now, the other thing to think about here, and this is really irrespective of any industry specifics, uh, you're gonna have probably around between three and four percent of customers who will be in a purchasing position within their buying cycle at any one time. So irrespective of your market, you're gonna have probably only about three or four percent of your your target customers who are gonna be ready to buy now. Now, the problem is you don't know which ones they are because uh, unless you do some analysis, unless you go out and make contact with them, ask them questions and therefore qualify them, you're not going to know. Now, what's really interesting is a lot of uh, sales teams sit back and they almost pontificate as to where they think their customer is sitting in the buying cycle. And they make all these assumptions and build all these fantastic strategies, but they don't actually go and talk to their customer. They'll have all these internal dialogues. And they'll say, oh, this customer's uh, ready to buy in the first quarter. They're ready to go now, but it hasn't been qualified. So you're going to have 97% of your customers that are not ready right now, which will require a slightly different strategy in terms of nurturing them to get to the point when, so that when they are ready, when they do clip over into the buying cycle that 3%, uh, they are ready to purchase, and they're ready to purchase from you. So let's talk about the numbers. Uh, now, one of the things I've, I've spoken about a lot, and when I talk about this with leaders as well, one of our first responsibilities as a leader is to set reality. Now that's reality in terms of where we are as a team, certainly reality in terms of where the team's at in terms of their aptitude, development and so forth. But specifically when it comes to numbers, we need to be able to define reality because we need to know what the platform is from which we're gonna launch from. And so you know what your results have been coming up to the end of the financial year just gone. And so that becomes the platform. You've now set yourself a stretch target. Now we need to know, okay, what are the numbers that we need to put in place? And what are the numbers we need to measure so that we give ourselves every opportunity of hitting that growth target that we've set it for ourselves for Q1 and Q2. And so you're going to have to think about things like, and it might be slightly different to your specific industry. You might have specific metrics that your organization uses. But here's just some things to think about that I think goes across most industries, whether you're a small enterprise, large enterprise, or a big government enterprise, that you're in sales, you need to start thinking about some of these numbers. The first one is, uh, how many how many customers do you have? What is your addressable market, how many customers sit in your demographic that is addressable to you as a sales team in your particular industry. We need to know that. From that, you need to also understand what is their average spend. So whatever product or service that you're selling and you're providing to the marketplace, what is the average spend that your average customer would be spending on that? What is the growth percentage that you need to put in place, but also thinking about it from the customer's perspective as well, what is the growth percentage that they are looking to grow and develop? in their business this year, because that gives us a good indication just in terms of their appetite for taking on new services, because if a company is gonna go into decline, chances are they're not gonna necessarily be taking on a copious amount of new services unless they need to arrest that decline and your services can help do that, or in declining and getting smaller, and because some, I mean, some customers might actually have that as a strategic approach, because they might be divesting, etc. cetera, um, then it may well be that your products can help them in that process. So what is the growth number, growth percentage? What's the percentage of market share that you currently have in the, in the marketplace? What is the market share of your customers you're dealing with and how can you help them increase their market share? But also from our point of view, what is the market share that we have in our particular industry, our particular um, our particular product set, but also from the customers that you do have right now, what is the existing share of wallet? Now many organizations make it a point of going out and trying to get new brands and new pieces of business and there's nothing wrong with that. But also consider you're gonna have a lot of customers that are not necessarily spending as much as they could, so their share of wallet is not as big as it could be. So one of the things we've got is if you've got a ready-made customer, if you've got a customer that knows you, who likes you and hopefully who trusts you, then obviously one of your biggest opportunities is to how we can grow the share of wallet for that customer with the business that we already have with them. So how can we grow that? Because it's almost like a hot lead. They already know you, so let's get into it and see how we can expand that. So thinking about what the existing share of wallet is going to be. And the other thing that a lot of organizations don't necessarily look at as much as I think they could or should is when you look at your customers, when there's a sale that's made what is the average sales value so a lot of organizations now are starting to think about this lifetime value of a customer irrespective of industry so when you sign on a brand new a brand new organization to your business how much is it worth to you in the first year but start looking at what's the average tenure that a customer would stay with you for and what is the value of that customer over that tenure so if you if you have an average tenure with a with an organization of say 5 years and it may well be a 5 year contract or it might just be the The average tenure is five years. What is the value to you over that five years? And this is where we start getting all these benchmark numbers because we can then start doing some planning around, okay, if we can increase certain areas here by a small percentage or in some cases a bigger percentage, what is the flow and effect to the bottom line if we make some adjustments here and if we apply focus in a different area? But all of that can only happen if we know what the numbers are to begin with. So the first thing we have to do as sales leaders is really get in, get in stone what is the reality? What are the baseline numbers that we have to work with. Once that's established, we can now look at okay, expansion. All right, and this is where we start looking at irrespective of whether you are, you're an account management organization or whether you are a pure business development organization or in fact whether you are a hybrid account management and new business organization we need to start looking at the numbers that will start driving activity, that will then start driving the numbers that we need to get. For example, how many calls do we need to make or how many pieces of outreach do we need to make to brand new icons, to brand new brands, to potential brand new organizations that are gonna come into our ecosystem? How many calls do we need to make? How many calls do we need to make to existing customers to generate some form of activity? And it could be a renewal activity, it could be an incremental activity, or it could be a brand new piece of business within an existing client base. So how many calls do we need to make? Because this is what's going to generate the sales activity that will ultimately lead to the sales conversions. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know what number I've got to I've got to put in place, and if you don't have and this is why the importance of setting the numbers is so critical, if you don't know what your current conversion rates are, then it's literally you're just gonna to have to go and, and create those and measure them as you go. Because if you don't know how many calls you have to make in order to get an appointment, then you need to actually go through the process to start to get some data to work out what are the percentages, and therefore start adjusting according to that. However, if you've already done the work, and if you know there's a certain percentage of response rates you get from certain uh, certain calls you make, then you know how many calls you need to make in order to hit those benchmarks. So it makes it a little bit more predictable. So here's the thing, to make it a lot easier, here's what we do. We actually look at, okay, what is the overarching number that we need to hit? What is the sales goal? What is the revenue goal that we must hit? Now, you can do this on a, on a annual basis or in most cases, you can do it on a quarterly basis or even a monthly basis and you work backwards from this. You work backwards from the goal. So how many sales presentations do we need to make or how many conversion conversations do we need to have in order for us to hit the benchmark that we've set for ourselves? So we need to understand that. So for example, you might have a really high conversion rate. So if, for example, you've got really highly qualified prospects and potential customers and you have a close rate of, let's just say, 50%. Now, in a lot of organizations, it's going to be a lot higher, and in a lot of organizations, it'll be a lot lower. Let's just say, though, it's 50%. So if you need to hit a certain rate, and you know that 50% of of those particular customers that you have a conversation with or a sales conversation with is going to say yes, then you just simply work out how many numbers of sales presentations do I need to get based on a 50% conversion rate that will deliver the end number that I need to get. And that is your predictability. Once you've got that, you need to work backwards from there and say, okay, in order for me to get that number of sales conversion conversations happening, how many qualifying calls, how many discovery calls, how many possible conversion conversations do I need to put in place in order to get somebody qualified to the point where they can have that sales presentation or their pitch and therefore the closing conversation. And so you work that through as well. And it may well be that you'll have more qualifying conversations with a lesser percentage of people saying yes that then qualify to go to the next stage in order for you to get your number, but you need to know this number. So how many qualifying calls do you need to get in order to qualify people to get to a sales or a conversion conversation happening? And then if you work backwards from that in terms of how to get the number of qualifying discovery calls, how many pieces of outreach do I need to put in place? How many LinkedIn messages do I have to send? How many emails do I have to send? How many phone calls do I have to make, whether it be cold phone calls or warm phone calls? How many calls do I have to make in order to get the number of qualifying calls that I know will convert a certain percentage into the sales presentations where I know that if I've got a 50% conversion rate, I'll be able to hit my number. Now This is, this is how we do it. We break it down into bite-sized chunks, into manageable chunks, and sometimes bring it down into the ridiculous number. So If you're thinking about it, it may well be that you only have to make three calls in the morning and three calls in the afternoon, if all of your numbers are working the way and you've done your analysis, that may well be the only number of calls you've got to make per day. Now, if you do that five days a week, and there's a level of predictability there, you know, and you can put your hand on your heart and say, with all fairness, I will be able to deliver that number because I know the numbers. I know what the percentage of conversions are, and I know how this works, versus how many sales leaders do it right now? They hope and they pray. They think, oh, "I'll just make this customer call and I hope they'll say yes." Or I'll go out and I'm thinking I'm going to convert every single one of them. It's just not—it's not feasible, nor is it practical, nor is it realistic. So, know thy numbers. Certainly, as a sales leader, this is absolutely critical because you're going to be asked questions from your senior leaders about what predictability is in place for your business. What is the percentage of close rate you're going to have? What is the percentage probability of getting certain deals done? And You know as well as I do that sales is a numbers game, but as leaders, we must know those numbers and how do we break it down into a game that becomes really, really predictable? If you can do that, then you set yourself up for a phenomenal financial year and you won't be necessarily suffering a level of stress that I know a lot of sales leaders were experiencing towards the back end of last financial year. So Know your numbers. Do the work. Put the investment in up front. Get a benchmark, get a platform for what numbers are looking like right now, and then put in place some metrics and some benchmarks to measure performance against those numbers. And guess what? You can also adjust it along the way because if you find that you've got a higher or lower percentage conversion rate, all you need to do is work it backwards and say, right, I need to make an extra two calls in order to increase my percentage of people having sales conversations at the end of the process, which will improve my probability of getting higher numbers. So with that, if you'd like some help, love to help you, love to work with your one-on-one, help you as a sales leader become exceptional, and in the process, help your sales team also become exceptional and drive those sustainable results, and also hit those numbers, and more importantly, overachieve those numbers. If you'd like to work together, let's jump on a call and have a conversation about what that looks like. We can get working together as early as next week. Simply jump onto my calendar at leadwithdarren.com, pick a time, jump on a Zoom call, have that conversation and we can get rocking and rolling and get you well on your way to being that exceptional sales leader within the next 90 days. It's a big promise. It's a bold promise, but I guarantee that will happen if you are prepared to do the work, if you're disciplined, and if you are committed, most importantly, to being the very best sales leader that you can possibly be. So no tie kickers, uh, only people who are highly qualified, only people who are ready to get going. And only people who are committed to really extracting the maximum potential out of themselves as a sales leader and passing that on to their sales team. So I look forward to that conversation. And as always, look forward to speaking with you and sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Have a phenomenal weekend and we'll talk to you soon. All the best.